Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Delta. So how are you in group projects? Mm, Not good. Um, (laughs) I would rather do it all and let everyone take credit for it. Not a problem. Zero problem with that. I have no problem with that. I don't want the credit. I just want the grade. Yeah. That's it. I feel like I'm kind of that way, but no, I like I like things to be very equal once I get really mad if somebody's not doing their job. <laughs> Ideally, I would like to find like, oh, that person's like, they can really contribute in a flowery way. So yeah. let's get them involved with the, this part. And this person knows the facts. And I like that idea, but it just never works out. It just never, <laughs> never. Well, have you ever worked with a, a showboat, like a diva or an attention hog, somebody who's taken over? Oh, my God. Yes. Every single night, like constantly, constantly. I know people that are like, I don't want to just be the star. I'm the producer and I'm not just the producer. I run the girls and I don't just run the girls. I, I, it's like, oh my God, you can't do all of that. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. You are not good at all of that. Something's got to give. Yeah. Well, today's story is about a showboat versus his team. Okay. A diva of sorts. This rivalry has everything you could ever want. Bare chest, covered in oil. Perfect. (laughs) Dame Judi Dench. Yeah. Obviously. And dancing reindeer. Duh. Wow. Merry Christmas. (laughs) So you've probably guessed it from those three clues. Today's rivalry is Riverdance versus Lord of the Dance. Oh, this just says 1990s to me. Like, it's so 90s to me. I love this. From Sony Music Entertainment, this is Fierce Rivalries with me, Delta Work. And with me, Kelsey Padgett. Each week, I tell Delta the true story behind an infamous or an underrated rivalry with all the dramatic and sometimes petty twists and turns. And then I'll declare the winner, but not every story has a victor. Sometimes it's just about who loses more. Well, tell me, what do you remember of Riverdance and Lord of the Dance? I've always been fascinated because they're on air. These dancers are on air. And the dedication to just the physical form and agility and balance and timing. I mean, I think like when when I think of a sport, you know, we always think of what a sport involves a ball, right? That's what people think. Mm -hmm. And it involves a team. And this is a team, of course, these dancers. It's like, I would imagine not only do they have to look ahead at who's teaching them, but they have to use their peripheral vision as to Mm -hmm. everyone else. And the timing of this, it's just excellence in a physical form, It's so amazing to me. It's beautiful. Well, were you a fan of it in the 90s? Yeah. Yeah? Never never got to see like an actual live show, but I I feel like they sold DVDs or like VHS tapes. I I say DVD now. I feel like they sold VHS tapes online. You would always see commercials for it. You would hear the music. And I, I also think there was... It was called River Dance, but I don't know what the actual... I don't know if the actual type of dance is called River Dance... Yeah, I remember this from my childhood. I remember PBS would have mm-hmm. Riverdance and Lord of the Dance on, and they would offer it as, like, one of their premiums if you, like, get donated money, you know? Yeah. It's a wild thing. If you had to tell an alien what this is, what would you say? I would say this is the magic of fairies <gasps> in human form. 
they they float in the air. I mean, it's like I feel like more of the time is in the air than on, on the actual ground. Yeah, there is a lot of that. It's so beautiful. It's it's uh it's it's like an ar- an army of beautiful fairies. <laughs> well, so before we get to the creation of Riverdance, I have to put us in another odd television event. Not that Riverdance is odd, but it's you know unique. Have you ever watched Eurovision? I've only think I've only seen like clips. I've never been dedicated to it. Yeah. If anybody listening doesn't know what Eurovision is, it's a little bit like American Idol, except it's all different countries in Europe participating. And it happens once a year since 1956. We've got contestants who've become famous later because of Eurovision, like ABBA. Celine Dion competed when she was very young. Olivia Newton-John. Julio Iglesias, and more recently, Conchita Wurst, which is a drag queen from Austria, competed. But why? how does this relate to Riverdance? Well, in 1994, Eurovision is being hosted by Ireland, and they are in charge of basically a halftime show. <laughs> so once all of the songs have been performed, there's this, like, pause in the show where they have to tally up the votes. So in that middle time, the host country will put on what is called an interval performance. But the team behind this year's Eurovision, 1994, they're like, we want to do something different. It's been singing all night. Let's do dancing. And Ireland, we've got this history of dance. So let's you and I pretend we're in 1994. How old were you? So grown up and definitely not six Years old. <laughs> I was wow. Six years old. Were you really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How old were you, Delta? I was 18 years old and graduating high school. So you're babysitting me and we're watching okay. Eurovision. Okay. So we're sitting there and, you know, a lot of people get up and go pee during this time. They're like, whatever. But you and me, we're glued to the TV mm-hmm. and we see the announcers introduce this act. And it begins with this lighting effect down the middle of the stage. It looks like a flowing river. Like the light somehow looks like water as it's like twinkling in the light going back and forth. There's this tight close up on this woman and her face. And she's singing in this very high, almost falsetto tone. And she's got a hood on and it's like very angelic. Then behind her, a choir joins in, and each singer only has their face illuminated as if they're, like, holding a flashlight and telling you a spooky story around the fire. Oh, they have a secret. They do? (laughs) They have a secret. Uh Uh-huh. You stumbled upon into this cave. Yes. And it's all... Enter at your own risk. (laughs) Yes. It feels magical and spooky. And then as the choir reaches this resonant note, in the center of the stage walks out a woman. She has got poles in her hand that are connected to like this fabric. And it's like very shimmery and she's sort of shaking it a little bit. It looks a little bit like she's coming up out of this river that had been made of light on the center of the stage. And then she drops the fabric and starts to dance. And this is not your average dance or modern dance, jazz dance. This is Irish dance. Her arms are tightly held at her side as her legs gallop and leap. Gorgeous. What did you say? It looks like that they don't touch the ground, really. (laughs) Right. These are magical fairies. Like what you were afraid (laughs) of, you don't need to be afraid of anymore. They've revealed the dance. Yes. So it's very high knees. And, you know, the music is jaunty and fiddling now. It sounds like I'm at a Ren Fair or I'm inside Mm. Lord of the Rings. (laughs) My favorite. My favorite. I can smell the turkey leg. (laughs) 
And then comes the drums, a whole bunch of guys with these bass drums that start. The woman disappears now. She dances off and comes in a man. And he's got this beautiful 90s looking mullet and this flowy blue silky shirt with a deep V (laughs) cut into it. Mm -hmm. He's doing the same kind of dance, the leaping about the Irish step dance. But he's using his arms, which is not something you normally see in Irish step dance. And the woman before him wasn't really using her arms. At one point, he does this, like, bodybuilder kind of flex (laughs) with one arm. Sure. I see it. Yeah. So anyway, then he's dancing and dancing, and he's doing, like, sort of a rhythm competition with the drum section. They'd be like, and then he would do it with his feet. And the woman comes back, and they start dancing together, and they're doing sort of kind of flamenco mixed with the Irish step dance. And then six more dancers join the stage, and now they're all dancing in time perfectly together. All their legs and feet are moving at the same time, and you're hearing the taps and the music, and it's all getting crazy. And then a whole bunch of dancers come out and they're all in these beautiful lines and it's all it's river dance i can't tell you what else it is it's just incredible it's this feverish jig and as soon as this ends the whole crowd is on their feet cheering and yelling and clapping the announcer at the end of it the first thing he said was good grief small hairs are rising on the back of every irishman's neck And then um, one of the cameramen that were there remembers seeing the Irish president who was in attendance. Her name was Mary Robinson. The cameraman remembers seeing the president wiping a tear from her eye after the performance. Oh. It was a hit. Well, they told their story, right? She came out to to let you know that something was going to happen and she was going to hold your hand. And then she revealed the secret of the Irish dance. Well, this was no accident. This act took many months to create. They wanted to work on Ireland's image. They wanted Ireland to be seen of more of a, like, modern and urban place to visit. And, you know, what better time than when you're on the the European world stage to show off what your country is about. And so they did a lot of things in the, like, marketing of this Eurovision competition. And so... Why not take something old and unique to Ireland, which is this step dancing, and make it new and sexy? And that is what they did. But this new and sexy style was kind of the brainchild of one dancer in particular, someone whose popularity would rise possibly even higher than Riverdance itself. And that would cause some serious problems. We'll meet the star of the show after the break. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. 
Terms apply. So we're going to get to that dancing star who is at the center of today's rivalry. But before we do, we need to understand what exactly Riverdance was. So traditional dance in Ireland has this long history. It's very important to their culture. There's a few different styles, but most of them feature very neat and tidy foot movements with your hands down by your sides. Right. Some styles are like solo with the dancer staying in a small area. And this comes from when it was a necessity for them to dance in a small space. And then sometimes they would do jigs on top of barrels, uh, jig dances. Wow. Yeah, which I think sounds like a disaster. Would you ever dance on a barrel? <laughs> I, I'm i doing good to like put one foot in front of the other. I mean, it's just I, I don't know how people <laughs> – I feel like so many decisions – surround this kind of performance, right? I mean, this is time. This is agility. This is dedication. I mean, you have to think about what you eat. You have to think about how much you sleep. And this is any sport, of course, but this kind of sport is wow. Yeah. Head to toe, literally. No no pun intended, like arms out, feet up. So, yeah, this style of dance was pretty regimented in 1994. Like, if you did it, you had to, like, sort of follow these rules. There was, like, sort of the same style of dress everybody wore in the competitions. It wasn't really, like, new or sexy. It was more of, like, a, you know, a representation of something older and cultural that you, like, had respect for. But nobody was, like, Mm -hmm. modernizing it like they did in the show. So the team who is making this act, they're like, okay, we want dance, but we want something new. And they ran into somebody who just did it all for them, who made the new shiny way of Irish dance. And that person was named Michael Flatley. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the name Michael Flatley? I'm sure you have. Yes, of course. He is, I always thought, the face of this group. Uh-huh. I felt like when you would see him, he was like, not only like the star of this, but he was maybe the choreographer of this was the impression you got, the producer. He was really the face of this, even though everybody else was doing the same kind of work. I think they needed to have like a standout maybe. Yeah, he was actually born in America. He was born in Detroit and raised in Chicago. Oh, I did not think that. Right? It's surprising. He's the son of two Irish immigrants. His father was a plumber, but his mother had been an Irish step dancer. Her own mother, so his grandmother, was a champion dancer. So his mom put him in traditional Irish dance classes at 11 years old in Chicago. He said he did not want to go. He wanted to play sports. Mm. (laughs) Not that dance is not a sport. Right. But, you know, he really dedicated himself to it. And by the time he was 17... In 1975, he became the first American to win a World Irish Dance title. Wow. So he was great at this. And, you know, he toured and danced with the popular Irish group, the Chieftains, which you may have heard of. They're a traditional Irish music group. Yep. Okay, so in 1989, he set the world record for the number of taps danced per second. Yeah. The previous record was 24 taps a second, but he was able to do 28 taps per second. Who is counting that? The Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> but I mean, do you, is it, a, is it, oh. you just have to take a videotape of it and then go back and count, you think? Yes. Or are, are you doing it like audio? Like, are you listening? Like, are you slowing it down? I don't know. I know that's it's not tap dancing, but like because I know nothing about tap dancing, I always thought like 
Are you really, is this really choreographed or are you just like, you just making noises that sound really cool and like. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that, because you, if you can make the noise by tapping your foot up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Then can some people fool people into thinking they're tap dancing? Or are you just like scooting around and making noises with your feet? Like, <laughs> Well, that is what it is. A professional would know that like, oh, that's a choreographed tap. Oh, right. I see what you're saying. <laughs> Could you fool someone who did not know what choreographed tap looked like by just making consistently lots of noise by jumping up and down and not really doing anything? Maybe. Maybe. Not to the pros, though. Not to the people. Right. Not to the pros. <laughs> right. So... By the time they found Michael, the Eurovision producers, he had already had this long career in Irish step dance, right? He'd already danced with the Chieftains. He had this world record. He, you know, had competed in lots of competitions. For sure. They ran into him at some performance that he was doing where he had mashed up flamenco style dance with Irish step dance. And so he had this, he had a shirt on that was exposing a lot of his chest, with like a deep mm -hmm. V. And he had a Spanish, I guess like a matador might wear this kind of hat. I don't know. Yeah, like it's, it's just like a circle. And then the top is sort of not super high. And the edges are not raised up yes. at all. Yes. But I he, get you. I he's get wearing you. this outfit and he's doing Irish dance mixed with flamenco and also a little bit of the moonwalk. <laughs> In there. Stop. Uh -huh. <laughs> He's creating his own thing. He is. Okay. When they saw this, they were like, that's it. That's what we want. We want this modernized version of Irish traditional step dance. We want something new and something sexy and fun. And, you know, he was actually 36 years old at the time that they ran into him. And they were like, well, this is great. He'll bring his expertise and innovation and he'll help us choreograph Riverdance. So there they've got Michael in place. This is great. The, the team also hired this composer. They wanted him to create music that felt traditional but was new and exciting. And so he would use like a lot of the instrumentation and, and melodies from traditional Irish music, but he would use different rhythms, rhythms that were better known in like jazz and other genres. And that way the music was like very memorable, like an earworm almost. So when I watched a performance as I was researching for this, I remembered the rhythm from my childhood. I was like, oh yeah, I know this song. That's the thing that goes and it's catchy and it's unique. It's like I don't know. It's really something else. The music, I think, is so important to the popularity of Riverdance, not just the dance. Right. So you got Michael bringing in the moves, this important part. You got this composer bringing in these new rhythms and uh, this catchy tune. They also had, like, chosen costumes that were way different than traditional Irish dance costumes, right? The costumes were, like, kind of spooky and cool. <laughs> you know, they weren't these, like, boxy dresses with bloomers. Anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is... Every little part of this thing was selected carefully. Right. And it was a huge team that put it together and made this seven-minute performance that was incredible and changed the way that the world saw Ireland. This team really made Riverdance. This whole look and setup is so specific to the 90s as well, mm -hmm. because I'm thinking like obviously a lot of sensuality mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the costuming mm -hmm. that sort of verges with that music on, you know, you in, sh in any sort of showy thing like that. There's a sexual element in yeah. a way. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Which looking back yeah. now, I'm like, really? That's, that's sexy? But I guess, right. yeah, it is sexy. <laughs> I mean, at the time, yeah. 
And then there was so much different types of music with other music. Yes. Pure moods. Pure moods. Do you remember those listening stations that would be like it yes. at like Target or whatever? I do. Yes. I loved those. I would be like, oh yeah, Gregorian chants and house yes. music. <laughs> it was all that or at Natural Wonders for sure. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Speaking of the music, this song becomes a number one on the Irish singles chart. And it stays there for 18 weeks. Jeez. Yeah. Everybody's mom had this tape in their tape deck, basically, to listen to Rubber Dance. And I think my mom literally did. I remember that because she really liked Inya and the Cranberries. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she had the River Dance tape, too. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Adult contemporary. That's right. <laughs> and it's still the second highest selling single of all time in Ireland. Wow. The only thing it's behind is Elton John's Candle in the Wind. Okay. So that's saying a lot. This, this Everybody loved this. So <laughs> after this aired, people called up the TV station and they're like, can we get tapes of the performance? Are they going to do this performance again anywhere? Are there live shows of it? Like, people were just just clamoring for it. They're like, we need more of this. Oh, there's going to be tapes. Oh, yeah. The tapes Oh, there's going to be tapes. (laughs) So the lead producer on the show was like, okay, I'm smelling a winner. Let's do something. And she mortgages her house. Wow. To invest $1 million into making Riverdance a live show. Wow. I think about stuff like that sometimes, like, what would you invest money in if you knew, like, I really think this could happen, and this is like, here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. Like, what would it be? What could you put all your money into? And I just, I don't know. I don't know if I fucking believe in myself that much to invest money in. I think I have way too much of, like, a a poor mindset for that. I'm like, no, no, save your money. Like, right? I could never, because you never know what's going to be popular. Like Scrub Daddy? Why is right. Scrub Daddy so popular? Right. You know? Like if you have, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Fidget spinners? Like the things that hit, you just never know. And I can remember as a kid, like I was so gay as a little kid. Like mm-hmm. I'm so gay now. But like <laughs> I remember there was a moment where I cut off a pair of cowboy boots that I had and turned them into slide mules. Oh. And everyone was like, ew, like, why did you do that? And I'm like, oh, they're fun to wear. And then in the 90s, I was very into country music and all of the singers, like Susie Boggess and Tanya Tucker and all these people had slide mule cowboy boots. And I was like, I could have invented this. I could have done this, but I didn't. Yeah. You have to believe in yourself. I could have been a millionaire. I could <laughs> And you would have been like a wonderkind, right? Because you would have been like right. so young and so smart and fashionable. All right. So Riverdance, the show, opened in Dublin on February 9th, 1995, only nine months after the Eurovision performance. So that's like a quick turnaround on getting a show ready, I think. Yeah, they went to work. Yeah. yeah. Tickets sold out within three days. Everybody wanted to see Riverdance, even royalty. Wow. Prince Charles had Riverdance perform at the Royal Gala 50th anniversary of VE Day. That's big. And that was televised. So so people got to see Riverdance again on the TV and they're like, "Hell yeah. This is incredible. We love it." Ah! Everybody's freaking out. Riverdance fever. 
Mm-hmm. It was everywhere. I mean, it I remember was. it being such a big phenomenon. And like the only thing I could maybe liken it to now, which is not not a phenomenon that we see on TV, but I see everywhere in billboards and stuff is Shen Yun. <laughs> I see it everywhere. And I know the spring is coming when you start to see the posters for it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Here we go. Which I heard that's a cult. Yeah. I was going to say, did you know there are cults and that they do not like gay people? Please educate me soon on like them versus the gays or something. I could do me versus Shin Yoon. Yes. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. Okay. So. Like you said, this was everywhere. And it's hard to say like what about it made it so popular it's kind of like a mixture of highbrow, like high culture, like stuff that's like, oh, I'm cool because I like art. I like uh-huh. modern dance. But it's yeah. also a little lowbrow because it's sexy and witchy. Right. You know what it is? It's the Vianetta of dance. <laughs> Do you remember Vianetta, which was ice cream cake that was like $5? And if you had it, you were like... Wow, you're serving Vianetta, aren't you? Like my, fi- my, I remember my mom and my aunts used to have Javalia coffee, which was like you would join coffee of the month and they would send it to you in a black or a white ceramic thing. Ooh. And if you serve that, you were like, ooh, wow, they have money. <laughs> they have money. But you don't really have money. You just had enough to get that. <laughs> Disposable income. Vianetta. So, so Riverdance, I think, played upon that. People who like, I want to feel artsy, but also be entertained. So, like I said, this was a team effort and the whole team was on top of the world. You know, everybody was so pumped because they were doing so well, but things are about to go to shit because that's what happens here on this program. (laughs) Oh, constantly. Constantly. (laughs) Okay. So, 1995. We are about a year after the Eurovision competition, all of Ireland, much of Europe, entranced by Riverdance, America too, the first run of the show completely sells out. But there's trouble in paradise. For the second run, Michael Flatley, the lead dancer, right, and choreographer, he's got some issues with his contract. Of course. Of course. He said, I'm the face. The face. <laughs> I'm the chest hair. <laughs> Um, we've reached the point of the story where it becomes very he said, she said. So take uh-huh. each point with a grain of salt. They're each disputed by the other side. I feel like I probably need to say that for legal reasons. <laughs> so Michael says that the Riverdance team didn't want him out being the public face of the show. Okay. They didn't want him talking to the press. And this was because they didn't want Michael to be bigger than the show. You know, Okay. what if Michael gets sick? What if you want to have two touring companies, one in the U.S. and one in Europe? Sure. You know, what if you want to keep a show in Dublin, but have one in London as well? You can't send Michael everywhere at the same time. This is not the Michael Flatley show. This is Riverdance. And so to have this one face is just not, you know, what they wanted to do. But at the same time, they're not cutting him out. They're like, we still want you. Sure. But maybe cool your jets a little bit. Michael, on the other hand, is a showman, wants to be the star. You know, he didn't want to be playing the lead of Riverdance. He wanted to be Riverdance. Right. So his ego was getting in the way. He also had issues with his co-star. The woman main dancer was named Jean Butler. She later on said this of Michael. She said, for him, it was the Michael Flatley show. 
He thought the applause was always for him. Yet when we came to London, it was I who got all the great reviews and he got upset. The skirt, i.e. me, was getting all the attention. Oh, wow. The show's success was secondary to him. He had no interest in my success. If he wasn't the big star, he wasn't happy. Wow. I mean, that's just how it seems because I remember seeing it and thinking, like, it seemed as though he was the star of this. Like, it seemed as though that's what they were pushing. And, uh, you know, I'm sure outwardly he was probably like, oh, it's such a wonderful show. But, you know, Mm -hmm. in contract negotiations, he's like, I deny all of that flatly. (laughs) Yeah, Michael flatly. Okay. So the second point of contention in the contract was the choreography. Michael says that Riverdance wanted to own all of his work and that they also wanted 100% control over what choreography was in the show. Mm -hmm. So not only did he come up with it, they got to say what went in and what went out. Um, One of the producers later told this story of a rehearsal where Michael was trying to add some stuff to the show. He said, uh, I remember we were rehearsing and we had one entrance in the show and he said john i have an idea i can take my top off and i can have oil all over my body oh generous of you (laughs) to which michael went on to say i can run on i can slide on my knees and stop on a dime wow he really wanted to play at the sahara in vegas didn't he exactly that's what this producer says he says michael save it for vegas (laughs) yeah Yeah. You know, this is, again, I mean, we see this in so many of our rivalries where people think that because they bring something artistic to the table and then they want to have a corporation represent their artistic idea. But what they don't realize is how many decisions have to be, how many people have to be involved in these decisions. There's just people that market this. Yeah. There's people that have to sell this. There's yeah. people that have to say, all right, there's going to be people offended by this, so we have to curtail certain things. Yeah. We want you to have maximum exposure in this. Hmm. We want to. We want you. We need you. But you have to understand, we cannot market this with you just doing whatever. We have to, <laughs> right? it has to fit in a way and you'll be able to, after years, still be such a star. Right? Everyone's going to be a star in this. You know, I'm a strong believer that everybody needs an editor, no matter how good you are. And I think that, yeah, you know, sometimes some of the best like movie directors or writers, they get so famous that nobody will tell them no. And then their yeah. work starts to suffer. And I think yeah. that it was good that he had people there being like, no, no on the oil. <laughs> Yeah, a little no on that. No on the sliding. Um, Mm -hmm. But then again, I could argue for the other side, which I always do, and say that if he had listened to people earlier, he probably wouldn't have combined flamenco and Irish step dance, you know? True. And then we would never have gotten Riverdance. So it's hard to say. But the contract, he wants more control in this thing. The lead producer for Riverdance called these negotiations very difficult, very painful, torturous. She claimed that Michael Flatley faxed her 24 separate demands. Wow. And that Flatley's manager requested that his client be treated and respected as if Michael was Dame Judy Ditch. Why does that have to? Why, that's the weirdest thing I ever heard. I know, right? I'm like, was Judy Ditch like... The mark of, like, highest actress at this time? I guess so. I mean, she's cool and all, but, like, I don't know. I guess that's like saying, like, treat him like he's Cher. Right. I guess. That's just a weird thing to say in a negotiation. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and the the negotiations aren't going to stop. They go back and forth uh, all the way right up until opening night of the second run. 
And that's when it's going to get even uglier. And I'll tell you all about it right after this break. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We're a new show breaking down the anime and pop culture news you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend that I don't right (laughs) now. Hold it in, hold on. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) And we agree on some things, but not on everything. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. Okay, so the negotiations are going on, and it's the night before opening night. So it's opening eve of the second run of Riverdance in London. And Michael gets the phone call. They say, you won't come to an agreement on this contract with us, so we're going to go on without you. Wow. Yeah. So what did they do? They have the backup dancer come in. So Michael claims that he walked away from 50,000 pounds a week so that he could dance the way he wanted to. Nobody puts baby in a corner. This is very dirty dancing because he said, (laughs) I'm going to do the kind of dancing I want to do. That's right. (laughs) Nobody tells me. I always do the last dance of the season. (laughs) Somebody told me I couldn't. But you know what? I bet you the backup dancer went in there and ate it and was so good yeah yeah. and everyone was like okay cool we just wanted to see like you guys light the stage on fire exactly exactly we weren't counting chest hairs we were like (laughs) (laughs) we just want to see you guys go off it's great right another thing he said was at the time everyone said look just sign the contract and dance and it was the most tempting thing to do but it would have been the worst thing dun 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 i mean if he believed that you know People were coming to see him exclusively. He could have just signed the contract, danced, let people throw their underwear on the stage, and then they would be like, oh my gosh, you're right. He is the star. <laughs> Let's do this. And then he could say, okay, well, now can I get like this, this, and this that I really think will help facilitate what I do? Like, it'll make me feel great. Like, sure, if, if that's the case, but... I don't know if that was the case. No, everybody's a hothead in this situation, I feel. Or at least Michael is. I feel like he's not really trying to come to agreement. So the the next thing he did was to sue them. Um, He sued them saying that they're using his original dance moves that were being replicated by his replacements. And so he wanted one big payment of five million pounds. I mean, they are. He did bring in those dance moves. That is true. But the choreo- but the person with the music did bring in that music. Right. And are they getting paid, you right. know, per ticket? 
Like, I don't know. Hmm. So about a week after Michael was let go from Riverdance, he came up with a new idea. And that new idea was called Lord of the Dance. Right. (laughs) And I remember, I think maybe this name, because I thought Riverdance was the name of the style of the traditional dance. Mm -hmm. And then I heard you using like the term step dance. Yeah. Right. And when I hear Lord of the Dance, I always thought that that was like part two of whatever Riverdance was. Right, yeah. And a lot of people think that. So let me entangle all these dances and clarify. The traditional dance is called Irish Step Dance. The show that was put on at Eurovision is called Riverdance. And now Michael's new show, without the Riverdance people, is called Lord of the Dance. And it's not a sequel to Riverdance. It's a whole new thing. So let me tell you a little bit about Lord of the Dance. So Michael, he said, the only way I could prove that I did the first one was to get up and do a new one. Mm, okay. So he's going to outdo Riverdance. And he financed it all himself. And about a year after leaving Riverdance, he was able to launch the show, which seems crazy fast to me. <laughs> yeah, very fast. So Riverdance doesn't really have much of a plot. It's just sort of like music. And, you know, it has a plot in the way that like modern dance does, but it's not like explicit storyline. Whereas Lord of the Dance does have an explicit storyline. This is from their website, by the way. Lord of the Dance follows a hero, the Lord of the Dance, fighting against an evil dark lord named Don Dorcha, who wants to take over Planet Ireland. Planet Ireland. (laughs) That's right, Planet Ireland. A love triangle between the Irish Callan Sershi and the Lord of the Dance and Morrigan the Temptress weaves throughout the plot. These tales are based on ancient Irish folklore. Okay. Loosely. 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 So this show is all about him, right? He is the Lord of the Dance. He's fighting an evil, and he's got a maiden who loves him, and he's got a temptress who loves him too. So it's all circling him. Did this ever become like not like triangle but threesome at any point? (laughs) Because I think he would would push it there. Riverdance was known as a sexier version of Irish dance, right? Uh Uh-huh. Lord of the Dance— one article said, makes Riverdance look like virgin territory. Oh, this is like Cinemax. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's a quote from a review. With his tattooed torso, flatly plays a warrior who does battle with a writhing, grinding troop of evil men. He's tempted by a siren in red and thwarted by bad guys in black. The quote-unquote plot unfolds against a backdrop of multicolored striations of light, plenty of pyrotechnics, and lots of dancing girls. At one point, the women doff their pastel gowns and step dance in sports bras and short shorts. Mm, mm -mm. No, I already (laughs) see the hair. The hair for this is definitely like really tight curls pulled up with like long tendrils down backs Mm. and then hair or hair that's straight but over one eye. Right. And you tuck behind this ear this way. I was thinking lots of Aquanet. Yes. And there's also like. The the lipstick isn't so strong. It's like a stain, and the lip is down. It quivers down like this. Like, uh, And so it goes, uh, That's the sound the lip makes. I like that. I like that. Uh-huh. So critics hated it. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. You're, this is traditional dance. Come on. They obviously don't understand. 
One person, uh, one credit called it Liberace on Speed. Perfect. That was, that's your theme. Right. Another person said that they disliked the macho posturing and sex and violence. One article said the black clothes and militaristic style of the show have led some critics comparing the Lord of the Dance to a fascist rally. Honestly, nobody would be saying any of this if it was really, if it was that Treasure Island in Vegas, nobody would be saying any of that. They would be so on board with how beautiful mm-hmm. this Lord's dedication to Ireland really was. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Riverdance had set the expectation of like a high art, high culture kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then he came in and was like, oh, no, it's not high art. It's 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 splashy. Right. It's nasty. He's um, like, this requires a two drink minimum. I'm telling you now. Yes, yes. I'm telling you now. Elton John had something to say about it. Now, remember that the previous critic had said that it was fascist. It looked like a fascist rally. Uh huh. He said of the show, Hitler is Irish. Oh, there's a sentence. There's <laughs> it's quite a sentence. the thing to fucking say. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Wow. But you know, Miss Elton John, she's she she does have opinions. She has a, yeah, she does have her opinions. She's a lady of a certain age. <laughs> One of the Riverdance producers who who is criticizing Lord of the Dance, they called it O Chippendales. <laughs> like Irish Chippendales. Okay, I could see that. So, critics hated it, lots of people hated it, but guess what? It sold out. Audiences, they fucking loved it. You know what? I'm telling you, you people will people <laughs> love expensive perfume, mm-hmm. but they will also go and buy if you like, you'll love because mm-hmm. it's 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 what it is. It's what it is. It's what it is, man. It's what they can afford, mm-hmm. it's what they enjoy. Yeah. Sometimes. Whatever. 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 So Michael said in one interview, look, people love it. They come to this show with love in their hearts. They stand up three or four times. They throw things on stage, flowers, roses, cards, maybe even a few love letters. And mm-hmm. there's always a crowd waiting for me every night. Mm-hmm. They don't go with love in their heart. They go with lust in their pants <laughs> is what they go for. It's fine. It's just nothing wrong with it. No. But I mean, is it traditional whatever? No, it's not. Are they working really hard? Probably. Right. Right. So, of course, there's lawsuits happening. Riverdance and Lord of the Dance, they're fighting each other. But all of that is settled confidentially Mm -hmm. in 1999. Both sides seem happy with the outcome. So maybe Michael did get a payoff for his choreography. I don't know. Are there st- are do these shows still exist somewhere? I mean, yes. Well, so throughout the late '90s, early aughts, these two shows were super popular. Like we said, I'm sure anybody who's old enough to remember stuff from this time remembers the Irish step dance craze. And both shows can still be found touring from city to city throughout the world. And although the beef has quieted down like a lot, like they're not like screaming at each other in the press or anything anymore, the slogan for Riverdance to me feels like a like a shot over the bow at Michael Flatley. The slogan for Riverdance is. Riverdance, the original, the best. Oh, uh, it is. Yeah, that's that's a slap. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Shots fired for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> but what about his? Does he or is he not doing things? No, Lord of the Dance still goes on. He retired specifically from dancing in 2016, but Lord of the Dance still happens, and he did a few other shows too. I think one was called like Feet of Flames, and you know, uh, Celtic Lion, and like you know, he just sort of 
played on this popularity from the 90s all the way up until to about 2016. Do you think he like conceded and had had somebody like else be the lord for visual elements for the show itself? Yeah, I mean, he eventually had to because his body was breaking right. down so much from the dancing. Like this type of dance is I mean, all types of dance are hard on your body if you're doing it. So I will say that river dance coupled with Lord of the Dance's popularity, like completely revolutionized Irish dance. Yeah. And I would probably think Irish tourism. Within two years after River Dance's debut, there was 25% more competitors at the Irish dance competition, the main one. Wow. So like people started doing this and being more serious about it because of these things. So both River Dance and Lord of the Dance had their 25th year tours sort of recently, 2022. And Riverdance's most recent incarnation was a children's animated film in oh. 2021 called Riverdance. And it's featuring these dancing reindeer that, like, teach children things. Cute. Yeah, it, it seemed cute. But Michael Flatley, never to be outdone, he's coming out with a series, a TV series that's all about him, a biopic. And it's called mm -hmm. Dance Lord. Wow. I would have expected him to go next level and just release a porn. Honestly, <laughs> I could see that. Dance Lord the porn. I'm pre-ordering. I'm going to tell you that right now. I really am. So you remember how you were saying, like, like couldn't you just dance and, like, fake the taps or whatever? Well, yeah. so you know how the taps are a big part of the performance? Of course. What is your assumption of how you are hearing those taps when you're watching the live performance of Riverdance? I would just guess that there was some sort of like microphones set up on like, I don't know how audio equipment really works, but I would imagine there would be some sort of boom that had a bunch of small microphones at the front of the stage, possibly. Mm -hmm. That's I'm guessing. That would be the way that I think most people would think was happening. Yeah. The taps are pre-recorded. Bye. But I'm not <laughs> mad, though. I'm not mad in a way. So they are tapping. Like, it is happening. But in order for it to be loud enough for the audience to hear it mm -hmm. with the music, it has to be a part of the musical score. Right. But people were scandalized when they found out that the taps were pre-recorded. They were like, ah. Oh. Pissed. So mad. <laughs> Would you? Are you mad? <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. I mean, yeah. listen, I edit my photos, so right. I think it's kind of like you have to for 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 purposes of theatrics. You have right. to, you know, you want everyone to enjoy it. So, Delta, who is the winner of this one? You know, when I listen to this, I just feel like. Riverdance itself kind of remained intact, yeah. right? Yeah. And I feel like Riverdance kind of won this because they got what they wanted from him. Yeah. Which was a renewed interest in the dance and what it does. And now if you think this far away from it, uh, only a couple of years ago releasing a cartoon or an animated series, now opening up to another new generation – of kids who will be interested. Yeah, he's releasing something. But again, it's always, it's never really been about the dance. It's been about him. And although initially what he did was bring attention to them, everything after that really just brought attention to himself. I feel like Riverdance wins here. 
I do, I do. I mean, he's won a lot and he's got great stuff, but in the end, the people that were initially supposed to benefit from it benefited. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I that know. woman definitely made back that mortgage on her house. Oh, I think so. <laughs> For sure. I wonder what I wonder what her new house looks like. <laughs> you know, they say Enya lives in a, a little house in like the middle of nowhere. A castle. She doesn't want to, yeah, she doesn't want anybody bothering her. That's right. Isn't that nice? It's lovely. I love I that love for it. her. I want to moat. I want to be Enya when I grow up. <laughs> oh my gosh. So talented, so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. From Sony Music Entertainment, this is Fierce Rivalries, hosted by me, Delta Work. And me, Kelsey Padgett. I also produce the show. Gabriella Santana is our associate producer. Caitlin Pierce and Megan Dietry are our editors. Tiffany Walker is our managing producer and editor. Our production coordinators are Sasonia Davenport and Tamika Balance Kolosny. Our theme music is by Allison Layton Brown. John Scott is our engineer. Our executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs, Caitlin Pierce, and Megan Dietry. TJ Raphael was our development producer.